This is Jim Wills, and you are listening to the Art Unknown Podcast, where we feed your soul with art. Learn to become your own greatest teacher and your own greatest fan. Find your flow and do your creative expression every day. I care about art because it is a fundamental way of people expressing themselves. Your story and who you are on your journey as an artist is part of what's going to make your art valuable. Art really fundamentally connects us as, as humans. So I want to welcome everybody who's listening in to this this new iteration of the Crave Magazine podcast. We've decided to rebrand, and because Crave Magazine no longer exists in a magazine form, either online or in print, it's just a podcast, it seemed like to make a lot of sense to transition to a different name. And so we are now the Art Unknown podcast, all the same podcast, same format. Uh, the old podcast still exists and can be found in the same places, but we're now the Art Unknown podcast. and. As a real special guest, I wanted to welcome back my first ever two-time guest. Uh, he is bridging the gap. He is the bookend, if you will, for the Crave Magazine podcast, the old Crave Magazine podcast, and the new Art Unknown podcast. And that is Jensen Sutta. Jensen, welcome back. Glad to see you. Glad to talk to you. It's great to be here. I can hear the applause in my own head. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Since I'm a two-time guest now, it's going to be known in the future as Art Known rather than Art Unknown. <laughs> Right. <laughs> art, art known, artist known, Jensen. Uh, yeah, we we talked a lot last time about your career and about photography, and we're going. So this will be a shorter episode, but we are recording this in the early days of 2021. COVID has ravaged the world, and so I really wanted to talk to you uh, because last time we recorded was about a year ago, and it was right at the very beginning, right before COVID really hit in the United States and took over uh, and shut things down. So I wanted to talk to you about, about how your experience as a photographer and as an artist has been through that time. Before we do though, people are gonna be hearing this shortly after the previous podcast. Okay. So they will remember that we talked about an inspiration and your inspiration was different from anybody I've had before, which was the car accident that you had, which led you to photography. So I'm gonna hold you to it this time. I'm gonna ask you for an inspiration again but a different inspiration, something that you're inspired by, whether it's artistry or not, a family member or not, or anything. But I'm going to ask you for a new inspiration for this episode. Well, geez, I think I'll throw you for a loop this time and tell you that uh, I'm inspired by the COVID shutdown. How about that, Jim? Oh, okay. So, on that. so I had lots of inspiration last time we chatted when I was on top of the world having a fantastic start to the year. And then right. I, I know we're going to get into the COVID uh, answers in a minute, but truthfully, what inspires me right now is seeing how quickly things can get shut down. So for 10 straight months, and we're on month 11 now, but for 10 straight months, I had zero work. And I yeah. tell you what, when I get these calls now that are starting to trickle back in, I'm thrilled at the opportunity, reminded about how much I really do love my job love the opportunity to meet new people, love the opportunity to travel. 
So truthfully, my new inspiration is just the fact that, oh my gosh, I'm reminded that I, I am so lucky to do what I get to do. That's my new answer for you. Uh, that's great. Do you, do you think that it has sort of kind of re, what's the word I'm looking for? Energized. Yes, thank you. Do you think that it sort of re-energized you as a photographer? Without question. I don't want to say there was burnout, but you know, some jobs I, I was less excited about in the past. And now I'm telling you, any call that comes in, I'm so thankful and so excited to go out and take pictures and see people and and uh, and get back at it again. It, it was very much reinvigorating and a good reminder. It really was. I like my job a lot, and I had forgotten that just a smidge. I mean, I know how lucky I've been, but now it's, it's it's even more treasured to know that, geez, we can go on a lockdown that can last nearly a year. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this. Cool. That's awesome. That's really cool. I I had a similar experience maybe a couple times in my life with photography in that not not necessarily burnout like you said, but huh. just what am I doing? Like I just if it, it gets repetitious, just like any job, right. and and you try to spice it up by shifting. And I, we talked last time about you going down a path of weddings and then doing a shift ninety maybe one hundred eighty degrees to a, an event photographer and more celebrity portraiture or, or something of that nature. And so that was a big shift away for you. And I had experiences like that where I was like, I was, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. And I had talked about weddings, not wanting to do weddings and then getting kind of pulled back in to weddings in Colorado. I had that experience traveling where, what am I going to do? And with the cell phones, with the, with the iPhones, we talked about how good iPhone photography or, or cellular photography is that compared to with everybody having a phone in their hand that's a really high quality you know much better than my first digital camera i kind of got a little feeling of like what am i taking pictures for and i had to really sort of reinvigorate myself and it was difficult the first time for me to go out here where i am now and and just go out and shoot for fun and not really care once i got started about 20 minutes into it i was like taking pictures of everything but <laughs> you know it was it was it was kind of a challenge of what am i going to be doing what do i want to do in photography yeah you know? So or why I can totally, or why? Yeah. Did you ask yourself that question during yeah. during the lockdown? Why? Definitely. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this what I want to be doing forever? Should I be switching? And I actually really did explore that. You know, after after you hit six, seven, eight months of not working, you say, "Gosh, should I be looking at other things?" Especially when not everyone was shut down, right? There's a lot of other businesses that went forward as if nothing had happened. They just worked from home. So there was sure. a moment there when I thought, geez, should I, should I be looking at other opportunities? And, uh, and I did. I looked around, and it was pretty quickly evident. Wait a second. Then I'd have a boss. Then I'd have nine to five hours. Then I wouldn't get to travel and really quickly ruled every other job out and just counted down to the, to the chance to get back to work. But there were definitely moments of questioning. Uh, did you think about dusting off that old biology degree or? I don't think I got that far down the list. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> you talked. You talked about networking last time I met, and I wanted to. I wanted to kind of to just sort of chat a little bit about that again because I think it's really important. You know, a lot of people that I talk to. Well, I talk to a variety of of uh, artists in their career. Where you know, a lot of new artists as well as a lot of really experienced artists. And for me, in my life, the power of networking is something that one of the most powerful things I think, and we didn't really touch on it. You mentioned it a little bit, but I just wanted to, because you put yourself in a position 
that you talked about with working in a hotel while you're in photography school and how that was helpful for you to build a network, to be able to do events that had celebrities and events that had people of notoriety in them. Would you talk a little bit more about the impact of networking and how that's affected us? Maybe even now as you're getting jobs. Yeah, I, I think what you're asking is what the power of networking is. And I, I, I don't think it's possible to overstate it. One, one way I would answer that question is by saying if you're on a job and you're rude or you do something unkind, or for example, if you've ever been to a wedding and you've seen uh, a photographer that was, that was unaware of their surroundings and stood in front of a guest during the ceremony or just did something that, that, was, that was not ideal, the bottom line is if someone doesn't like you as a person, they're not going to like your pictures and they're not going to refer you. So when I think of the word networking, it's, it's networking with the clients. It's networking with the guests. It's networking with other vendors. It's networking with other photographers. And it's all the same process of, of being a likable person, providing excellent customer service, and that leads to future jobs. So I put it all in one basket. So when, I, when you say networking, it's keeping in touch with previous clients, and it's networking with previous event planners and keeping in touch with all of them. And that's where the referrals come from. So networking is 100% the key to future work. I agree with you 100% in that, that framework that you just put it in is not just networking for a future job, but maintaining a network of your character, I guess, if you will, when you're, when you're on a job. The philosophy that I've always taken with weddings is make yourself as small as possible. You know, and, you know, like you said, don't block anybody uh, that's especially during the ceremony that's trying to see what's happening, you know, because that could be someone's grandmother or somebody's relative that's really close to the, the bride or groom or whatever that you just happen to hit a nerve or hit a button. And then, like you said, they're not going to like you. And now they're not going to like your pictures, no matter how spectacular they are. So, yeah, um, I wanted to ask you, did you have you heard from Denzel yet? You talked about a photo that you provided <laughs> for him. Has he contacted you and? Maybe, you know, maybe COVID uh, shut down his communication. I, I still haven't heard, unfortunately. That's probably what it is. But you know what? I do have a cool COVID story, though. You know, and yeah. you talk about things that people do. And one of the things I did over over the slowdown is work on my website. Mm -hmm. Someone else must have been doing it, too, because this the guitarist for the band The Eagles, his name's yeah. Don Felder, he sent okay. me an email saying how much he liked my work and wanted to use the photo in his website marketing social media uh pieces so you joke about denzel but legitimately i got a very very cool email from a you know a celebrity and more importantly someone who's photographed a ton and i, I go like this celebrity because he's in a different category as denzel but he's he's about as accomplished and incredible as you can ever get in the field he's oh, in absolutely yeah that's fantastic so it was a very, very cool compliment. So about the time that you start doubting, gosh, should I still be pursuing photography when everything's shut down? I got an email from someone who's photographed so often to tell me he liked the work that I did for him. It was a great uh, reminder and, and kept me charged to keep going. But that was that was that's pretty special. Yeah, that's a that's a good story. That's a that's a really great story, especially inspiring for anyone who's struggling and like, what do I what am I doing and what what's happening? I had a similar situation happen with um, with Yoko Ono, mm. and, and I got a call out of blue from her one, her rep that said, "Hey, you know, I found your magazine, and I want 
would you like to interview Yoko? And I was yeah. like, yes, please. Like, regardless of, you know, what I may think about her, if she would, did break up the Beatles or not, you know what <laughs> I mean? It's like, yes, Yoko, I would love to interview her. Absolutely. It's you know? nice to know people are seeing what you're doing. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you give them that photo usage for free as well, a complimentary thank you? Yeah, okay, I did. Good. Yeah. Good. At, I had been hired and paid well in the first place. So I had no problem uh, providing that image for him for social media afterwards. If he wanted to do something more with it, it might have been different than a, than a, than free. We, t we talked last time a little bit about the the charging and the difference in today's world versus back in the day when it was like you you would charge per usage or like how do you want to use the photo? I'm going to charge. Is it going to be a billboard, t-shirt, what what have you? Yeah. And how it's changed so much in today's world with the internet and social media and again everybody having a cell phone. How 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 do you make that determination for we talked a little bit about pricing, but like I think that it's important to sometimes just that giveaway like you did like sure you can absolutely use this i'm honored that you would ask me yeah there's a few different ways i'd answer that and i'll try and do that really quickly but the first is that i still think there's two different pricing models that photographers aim for you know one of them is that they they charge a very little bit up front and, mm -hmm. and they they try and attract clients that way but with that business model they really need to charge more later whether that means they're trying to show how beautiful a print would look on a wall, they're trying to, to sell a, a large enlargement, or they're a wedding photographer and they know they need to sell a large album to make up that money in the back. Not to say one's better than the other, but I've always tended to charge more upfront and then not, okay. not need to make that extra money up at the end. If someone wants to make a purchase, they can, it's a bonus. But I've made everything that I want to do with that larger upfront fee. And then the last thing is, is I, I, I believe I mentioned it on our last call, but my favorite quote truly in business is I try not to look at my clients. I try to look as my clients. Mm. And when someone calls and they're interested in hiring me, I think, okay, what are they looking for? I, I'm not, I'm not going to show up on that job and photograph what I want. I'm showing up to provide them the images they're looking for. And if you have that great call and you listen in the first place of what the client's looking for, 99% of the time they're going to tell you what they need. And that means online images. That means they want to post some on their social media as quickly as possible. You know, when, when you talk about how it was back in the day when it was commercial advertising and usage fees, it was a different era. They weren't needing a Facebook picture to throw on immediately. But now... Every client has a Facebook page, has an Instagram feed, and those are those sure. are items they need to use the images for in addition to whatever else they're hiring you for. So it's an upfront expectation of the reason they're hiring you. So I, I just include that in what, what the upfront cost is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, shooting primarily events, you know, and I, I had worked a little bit for, for the Westward there in Denver, the turnaround was instantaneous, you know. You, you shoot the event and they have to be on the editor's desk the next morning or in his, in his email. Uh, I imagine that's probably true with a lot of the events that you shoot. Do you try to maintain that philosophy throughout, regardless of, of what, the, what the, uh, the, the job is? With the caveat of if it's a huge event, it's not give them every image immediately. It's an understanding of what the 10 most important images were of that day and send those 10 that day. 
and then get all the rest in the next day or two. So it's okay. definitely the immediacy, but really, you know uh, what they need right away. You know, a couple of days ago, it was a, a corporate job and the, and the, the guest speakers were Michael J. Fox and Magic Johnson. And so, you know, it was a full eight hour day job, but a picture of the CEO talking and a picture of those VIPs giving their keynotes are, are the three images they need immediately, you know, without question, <laughs> those are the three they need. And then all other 500 images can come a few days later, if that makes sense. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think, probably a good way to, to do it too. That yeah. way it gives immediate, that uh, immediacy that they're looking for, but then you're not staying up all night to, to do the work. You, you can have a little bit of a, little bit of time to make to give them the best images possible yeah exactly yeah. a lot of the portraits we talked before last time about um you photographing events and you would position yourself in a way to try to get an isolated kind of portrait style image i noticed looking through your images and looking through your websites and the 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 work that you did do that you had something released last year we'll talk about <laughs> is a lot of the portraits are them looking right into the camera how what a percentage of those is just a happy accident where they happen to be looking in your direction and which of those are or how you know how many of those do you find where you actually i have time it's built into your contract if you will where you're going to be doing a one-on-one -on -one. does that make sense it does make sense and unfortunately there's not an easy answer it depends on the job but i'm lucky enough a lot of the really neat vip portraits were taken on the same job year after year so for the last uh, 15 years or so, I've been uh, a photographer for the Santa Barbara Film Festival. And mm -hmm. and for anyone listening, that's similar to the Oscars, where there's a long red carpet and there's a, a rope of, let's call it 50 photographers on one side and a background on the other. But I'm lucky enough to be there on the carpet with the folks. So a lot of those I'm able to say, hello, Mr. Pitt. I'm the festival photographer. I'm not press. I'm not paparazzi. Would you mind if I just take a couple portraits of you? Could you stand over here? And then he looks at the camera. So those are the ones that you see that are looking right at me. And then there's others that um, it's, it might even still be the same event, but I really love looking for candidates using the, like they, they could be getting interviewed by E Entertainment Network or Video Camera Light and I'm just taking candids from the side. So I'm still getting the clean, uh, dark background and those cool angles that I'm looking for, but it's more of a candid look. Uh, sometimes I think candids come across as more real because it's, uh, it's their real reactions and they're laughing and they're thinking and they're um, more, more of a, a true representation of who they are rather than, hey, can you just look at me and smile? So it's a blend of the two for that reason. Most photographs uh, that I've taken of musicians gosh, almost 99% of them are during performances. So that's all candid. There's yeah, very few yeah. times that it's, that it's posed them for a portrait. Even when I'm luckily hired by Sony Music and the images are going towards their CD um, booklets in the, in the, mm -hmm. that they still give, it's, they still, the audience, you know, those that are consuming the CDs, they still want to see candids. Oh, here they are backstage getting ready for the show, walking off stage, okay. writing a song. Those are still so impactful, more so than, hey, can we pose you here? So th those right. are cool, but they don't really tell as much of a story about a person, I think. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, you have a great shot on your site, uh, X Factor shot with, with the judges. 
And right. Simon Cowell's, I think he's looking like right in your direction, pointing. <laughs> it looks like he's pointing right at you. I imagine that was also a candid. That was a candid, to... and luckily he wasn't pointing at me, or I would have been in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was teasing a little bit about this that with the portraiture and um, and taking celebrity portraits. You released a book last year. I did. I did. It's called Five Feet from Greatness. Exactly. Tell me, talk to me about that. All right. Let's start with the, the COVID answer. You know, here we are in a few months of downtime thinking, what, what can we do with the time? And I'd already reorganized the files, cleaned my desk, and, <laughs> and uh, started looking towards the to-do list and something that had always been on the to-do list. I, I, I'm lucky enough to have recognized that I get to photograph some really, really interesting people, folks that, folks that um, most people don't get to. And, and it was it was sort of I don't want to say bothering me but it collecting dust on the on the on the hard drives wasn't the ideal place for all these images to live so I knew someday down the road I wanted to share these images more and so I decided to to take this opportunity to showcase these images again and then the second component was that I didn't want all the event planners to forget about me you know this was a long downtime and I, yeah. I knew that there was going to be an end in sight and I knew I wanted to continue being a photographer and so I I also thought of it as a marketing opportunity you called it networking earlier in the call and that's very linked networking and marketing but um, that was truly the the initial reason for it was to make this book um, make it as a present and make it as a marketing piece to send to folks to keep me in mind and that's that's the premise for how it came about and then the step two that maybe we don't need to get into too much because it would take forever. But then I had to coordinate which images I was allowed to, to use in a marketing piece rather than calling up record labels and finding out if I had the proper permissions. Well, that, that actually is a, was going to be my follow-up question is yeah. uh, if, if you're shooting an event. Yeah. Um, and, well, like, for example, you have Brad Pitt on the cover, right? I do. And so. I imagine that came from the film festival. It did. So you, so you're hired to to cover this film festival by whatever group hired you. You happen to get this great photo of Brad Pitt. Now down the road, you want to use it. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful book. Yeah. You wanted to use that photo in this book, for example. Yeah. So just it's kind of the antithesis of of the the call from from uh, the Eagles guy, where he's like, hey, or the email, hey, I want to use this on my social media. You're now have an image that you shot, but really the copyright belongs to the the event or it's shared or you know there's there's a gray area there of usage with the photographer. Yeah. How did you address that? Well, luckily, many of those film festival photographers, I the client itself was the film festival, and okay. the film festival has always allowed me to have shared rights. So has always said you can use these however you want. We're hiring you to provide us the images so that they can use whatever they want as well. It was also taken on the public uh, front of the theater on that red carpet. So it was very much, hey, feel free. These are all public images at this point. They're, it's the entrance of the theater outside. All the paparazzi was two feet down taking their shots after I was done with the portrait. So it was very much uh, not really a, an internal private moment that I had to contact Brad Pitt's reps or anything for. So that, that was fortunate. That's not fortunate, but that was very calculated. That's why I used a lot of those images because I knew that those were okay. okay. That I, were there, are I, there I images in the book? That, I'm sorry, go ahead. So that I essentially own all those images. 
Oh, right, right, okay. Are there images in the, images in the book that you had to get permission to use? There's a or couple that, you... that, I, that I tried to and, and got no answer. And then I also contacted um, separately uh, a football player named Von Miller. Recently, I contacted his representatives for a, for a photo for a magazine cover. And they said, this was taken at a pub public event. You were the photographer. You absolutely don't need our permission. And that was kind of a good reminder that, okay, then I'm going to keep looking for those types of images where I was the hired photographer with permission, asked before I took it. It was a public event. And so it kind of led me down that path of, of just go with the ones that are cut and dry. Like I have so right. many music pictures that I would have loved to have included, but it would have been a, another three years of trying to send emails <laughs> back and forth to make sure. Sure, sure. Uh, have you ever had a situation where someone asked you not to use an image for something or not yet? Like that? Not yet, no. And again, I, I, I hope that I would never want to use one that, that they would say no. In other words, I'm only using those that are real easy and cut and dry. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. It's real smart, yeah. Uh, you, you have a great photo of Alex Hunold mm. with his big hands, with his big climbing hands. Mm. Was, that, was that taken at an event, or was that a one-on-one -on -one where you, you said, hey, Alex, I want to well, take a, a photo of you? Well, both. <laughs> so it was an event, a corporate event, where they hired him to give a talk about his life. And then uh, afterwards, I, I, after he did his little meet and greet, I said, is it okay if I take a couple of photos of you? And he said, of course it is. And then I asked him if he would show his hands for the photo. And so it, it, it was both answers to what you just asked, corporate event, but then I asked to take portraits. Mm, okay, cool, cool, yeah. In your book, is there one, well, how about this? Just what, what's one favorite photo that's in the book that you really... Ooh. I mean, you've, took, you've taken some great photos of some great, uh, pe renowned people. See, I, it's hard to separate the person from the photo. Um, sure. I, it's, it's hard not to think of the cover because I, he's such an A-list, important celebrity. And it was, so, it was so cool just to get a second and say, can you stand here? Can I take your picture? And he was it's like, of course you can. What would you like? Where, you know, it was just a great interaction with such a – a big star, and I have some other photos that maybe I can share with you sometime that, that shows the scene where there was like hundreds and hundreds of screaming fans. It was like uh, the Beatles arriving when he arrived from his limo for this event, and it was it was a very exciting, energized uh, situation, so it was fun to be able to get just 30 seconds of calm to, to take a nice portrait of him. That was a, a cool deal. It's it's pretty wild to to see like these isolated photos that you have of the celebrities and just from me as a photographer and knowing the situation, knowing what's behind the camera, knowing right. what's behind the scenes of <laughs> that, it's it's so wild that that you're able to get or or that we as photographers are able to get those moments that seem really isolated and quiet when it's actually it happens right in the middle of chaos. <laughs> so I'll, I'll show you more if you're interested. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was the very, very, very first celebrity job I had 20 years ago. I was hired by the Santa Barbara Police Department, and they said, please photograph every recognizable face you see in the room to show that they're supporting this town and this police department. And I, I was very excited and nervous, and I walked up to the first person and said, hi, may I take your picture? And they said, nope. And they turned and walked away. And I was 
I was flabbergasted. I'm sure my mouth was open. I froze. <laughs> I was like, did I do something wrong? I mean, I was petrified. And then I got a tap on the shoulder and Mr. Rob Lowe said, hi, you can take my photo. Who obviously <laughs> saw everything, saved me. I then finished the job and everything went well. And the, the cool rest of that story is that one week later, I saw him in a Starbucks and said, sir, I was the photographer last week. I just wanted to thank you. Probably was no big deal to you, but I was terrified. He goes, oh, no big deal. And then the nice thing is I've seen him, I'd say at least six, seven, eight times throughout the last 20 years. And, you know, I'll never forget uh, how kind and, and, and enjoyable he was and pleasant to work with. And the photo in the book was probably only from couple of years ago because I got to photograph him again. So yeah. just seeing Rob Lowe's photo makes me smile. <laughs> that's, that's great. That, without naming him, was the person that rejected you also a, a celebrity or a renowned yeah. person, a recognizable face? It was. And then I found out yeah. later the reason he was upset and it was nice to learn that it wasn't at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's yeah. good. You're not yeah. the jerk that you come off as. I'm right. Right. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> you know, I've always thought this. You Even I don't know. I don't even remember how you and I first met, but we've known each other for a long time. And I, you've always come across as one of the nicest photographers that I know. So that, that is a really kind compliment. Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate that. A lot. Absolutely. Well, it's true. It's true, my friend. It's, it's very <laughs> true. So I want to pre I want to thank you for, for coming into the, the, this, the first episode of the art unknown podcast and the, and also finishing the crave magazine podcast with me. Uh, with COVID, as we wrap up, I think it's really cool that you were shut down. One thing we didn't talk about was that you were shut down. You had done a few events, it looked like, uh, in March, and then you were shut down completely. You have a section, a blog section on your site, and you went out and took photos of empty streets, COVID, and how things are just deserted. Did you find that as inspiration where I need to just get my camera out and go photograph some stuff just so I, you know, stay sharp, if you will. It was also that my children didn't quite understand what a momentous occasion COVID was. I mean, this is, to them, it's normal. To us, we know that never before do you see every single theater shut down, the mall parking lots vacant, the, the caution tape around playgrounds. I mean, it's a historic event. So more than anything, it was... It was understanding the historical significance and 10 years down the road when my children are older to say, do you remember when you were stuck at home? Here's what the world looked like now. Do you know how crazy this is? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was in New Orleans in August. Yes, August. And I took a little iPhone video of Bourbon Street just deserted completely deserted there's i think two bars that were open and they're only allowed to be open because they serve food hmm. but you know bourbon street that's generally jam-packed regardless of whether it's mardi gras the, every time i've been to new orleans it's jam-packed and just for it to be completely deserted and completely empty was surreal very surreal yeah. and that was it's like that it was like that around most of the country last year so it's good to hear things are opening up it's good to see that you're getting back to work you're, you're getting some some work have you sent your book out to anybody yet? Yeah. Yeah. I had ordered 250 copies and 
a little over 50 of them I sent as marketing to and promo pieces to folks, and then the rest have sold. There's only 15 copies left at this point. I might, oh, wow. I might do a second. Uh, thank you. I might do a, su- a second public uh, publication. We'll see. But it's it's uh, was that, really exciting. Was that a self-publishing? You you published it yourself? Yeah, yeah. And then I saw it was for sale on Amazon. You you published it and then listed it on Amazon for, and then yeah. you're handling. So I, I'm it's still self-publishing and still selling. Amazon was just an easier link to send out rather than Venmo and PayPal to some folks. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, congrats on that. The uh, book is, is fantastic. I heard a quote. I don't know who said it. Jim Rohn, I think, if you know who he is, he was an early motivational speaker back in the, back in the day. He had said something along the lines of in poor houses, there are big TVs in rich houses. There are big libraries. Mm-hmm. And, and then I heard an addendum to that. I think it was Jack Canfield chicken soup for the soul. Mm-hmm. who said, in the wealthiest homes are the people who wrote the books that are in the libraries. So uh, regardless of your net worth, you got a book out there, which is fantastic. And, and that's a great addition to, to getting some extra income from, from photography yet from another source. So I think that's awesome. I appreciate it. And like I said, it's not about income. It's just nice to know that some of these images are getting seen, you know, they're just not collecting <laughs> dust on a computer. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's Jim, I appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this very much. For, for sure. I'm glad to have you back on. Uh, as we wrap up, is there any last words on your second interview that you'd like to share? No, I'm just glad we're seeing the end of COVID. Everyone get your vaccine so we can all get back to work and travel again. There you go. Fantastic. Well, Jensen Sutta, I appreciate it again. As always, it's good to see you. And uh, I'm glad to hear the work is starting to trickle in and and it reinvigorated your excitement for photography because you are fantastic at what you do. And may you have many, many more years of of great photographic success. So thank you again. Thank you so much. Safe travels, Jim. The music for episode 40 is once again, Denver, Colorado, folk singer-songwriter Cole Shifley. The song is entitled Flightless Astronaut, off his EP, Everything Matters, Nothing Matters at All. Be sure to check out Cole wherever you listen to your music and come back for episode 41 when we sit down and chat with this up-and-coming star. Thank you for listening to the Art Unknown podcast. I'm Jim Wills and I'm on a mission to share art with the world. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a positive review, or better yet, tell your friends. If you're an artist or even want to hear from a favorite artist, well, send us a message. We are putting this show on for all of us who love and appreciate the arts. Remember, always be good to one another and of course, take time to feed your soul with art.